Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. If you are joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. In 1896, a man by the name of Lewis Sullivan introduced three simple words that forever changed the world of architecture. Here are the three words, form, follows, function. Anybody ever heard that before? Right? A lot of people familiar with that. I'm not a, a student of architecture, so I only know what the books tell me, that Lewis Sullivan was the first person to say that. If you know better, then you know more than I do. But history records that Lewis Sullivan is the first person in 1896 that's credited with this phrase, form follows function. And since he introduced that concept, the world of architecture has never been the same. Form describes the way something looks. Function is what something is designed to do. And the phrase form follows function teaches us that the way something looks should be driven by what that something is designed to do, meaning that function is more important than form. I know what you're thinking, pastor, why the architecture lesson this weekend? I mean, that's interesting, but I did not feel compelled to shout amen at any point in that opening. Well, here's the reason why. Because it really describes the heart of God as it pertains to leadership in the New Testament church. When you look at leadership in the New Testament church, God is very specific in his word about the purpose of spiritual leadership in the church. Now, when you read the Bible, the Bible is clear that the shepherding and caring and leading function of the church, he clearly articulates in Scripture with great specificity about the purpose of leadership, the function of leadership. But equally, God is not that specific when it comes to the form that leadership takes in the church. Great specificity about function A lot of latitude when you talk about form. That's why if you were to visit over the next few months 100 different evangelical Christian churches, let me tell you what you'd find. In every one of those churches, you would find the function of spiritual leadership. As defined by Scripture, you would find the leadership function being carried out. But here's what you'd also find, 100 different forms. You could go to a lot of different churches, and the way the leadership looks, the way it's designed in form, varies from church to church and congregation to congregation. When you think about the function of leadership, what it exists to do, a few years ago here at Hope Church, we were preaching through 1 Peter. I did a two-week series on the function of spiritual leadership. And if you're interested in, in our perspective about what the leadership is supposed to do, I would encourage you on our app, you can go to our sermons page and you can go to that two-part series called Spiritual Leadership in 1 Peter and you can dig deep into what the scripture says about the shepherding, leading, overseeing serving function of spiritual leadership. But where the Bible gives us great latitude when it comes to form, there are some specific components that we see modeled in the New Testament church over and over again when it comes to form. Now, it's those specific components that for the last 21 years here at Hope Church have provided for us what we like to call guardrails. I want to put a picture up here on the screen of a guardrail. There's a guardrail. You see them on highways and interstates and roads as you drive around. What is a guardrail designed to do? It's a barrier placed at the edge of a highway to keep you from dangerous points. It's a a rail that's placed. It's a barrier that's placed where there's danger to keep you from going off the road. Although there's great latitude in Scripture when it comes to what leadership looks like, the form... God has given us some guardrails, some components in Scripture that were patterned in the New Testament church that allow us to stay out of danger. 
And for the last 21 years here at Hope Church, it's been those guardrails that we've used as our form of leadership has evolved. We've used those guardrails to keep us out of danger. And here's why I'm telling you all of this. Unless you've been living under a rock since the first weekend of December, or you have been quarantined since the first weekend of December and shut off from the world, you know that we are in the middle of a transition here at Hope Church. As a family of faith, God allowed me and my wife and our kids to come here 21 years ago and to be involved in giving birth to this church and planting this church and now pastoring and leading this church for 21 years. But I shared with you in December that God had begun to stir something in my heart that we articulated that now we're going to be, I'll be transitioning here at Hope Church to a different seat on the bus, not the senior pastor, but just a title of founding pastor, and really be sent out of Hope to serve the the larger church in, in leading a church planting organization called Sin Network that plants hundreds of churches every year all over North America. With that being said, we're in the middle of a transition of leadership. And we wanted to, to highlight from Scripture some things that the Bible says about the form of leadership in a church and what it looks like to help us understand more of this as a fellowship. So we want to address two questions tonight. I'm going to address the first one and begin to address the second one. Then I'm going to invite somebody to come up with me in just a little bit and, and teach some of this as well. But here's the first question I want to address this weekend. Number one. What are the biblical components of leadership that are modeled in the New Testament church? When you think about the early church, the model that we saw in Scripture, what were those guardrails? Even though the form of leadership can look different from church to church, the way that they carry it out, what are those principles that guide and govern the way we establish leadership in the church? And as our pastoral team has been studying the scripture together and over the last 21 years, we've identified six of these guardrails, these components that although they can look differently in the life of a church, they were the pattern and the principle that was established by the early church. I'm going to give them to you. Number one of these consistent components is plurality. And here's what I mean by that. The early church led together. Now, when you look at the church in America, often you see a CEO-type leader. There's one primary voice, one leader at the top, and it's like this guy goes off to the mountain. It's kind of the Moses paradigm from the Old Testament. This guy goes off to the mountain, hears from God all by himself, gets from God and brings it back to the people, and this person is the one that tells the people what God has to say. That is the way God often worked through his people in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, leadership began to look very different from that. Leadership took on a sense of plurality. There were often teams of leaders in place. For example, Jesus began to model this. Remember when Jesus first sent out the 72 to go and begin to do events? How did he send them out? Not one by one. He sent them out how? Two by two. He sent them out in pairs, in teams. Think about the Apostle Paul, one of the great leaders in the New Testament. Every time you read Paul's name in the Bible, you know what word is almost always after the word Paul? And, exactly. Why? Because Paul never went anywhere by himself. Paul never took a step in leadership in doing it solo all by himself alone. It was Paul and Silas, Paul and Timothy, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and John Mark. Sometimes Paul and a number of leaders. This principle of plurality was seen in the life of Paul. And then when you look at the churches that Paul began to plant in the New Testament and the ones that he was connected to, there's a verse in Scripture in Acts chapter 14 that's one example of this I want you to see. Look what it says. This is the the, the description of Paul entrusting leadership to churches in cities like Derbe, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. It says in verse 23 of chapter 14, and when he had appointed what? What does it say? When he had appointed elders. What do you notice about that word? It's what? It's plural. Elders for them in every what? Church. Is church plural? No, it's singular. When, when Paul went in with his team and planted these churches, then when Paul was ready to leave those churches and entrust leadership, he would appoint a plurality of elders, leaders, pastors, shepherds in every single church to lead that ministry forward. Plurality, the early church led together, is one of these guardrails that, that we've tried to implement here at Hope Church from day one and something that we believe the New Testament model. Here's the second one. Humility. Humility. 
the early church led submitted to God and each other. The early church led submitted to God and each other. First of all, the early church led in submission to God. They they lived in submission to God and his word. When you read the New Testament, you, you understand this overwhelming sense of desperation that the early church had. They knew that they were desperate for God. They knew the mission that they'd been given was bigger than them. It was bigger than they could accomplish. They needed God. And you saw this in their dependence on God's word and their passion to pursue God in prayer. For example, only a few days after the early church was born in Acts chapter 2, there was the first problem that arose in the church. There was a, a difficulty that rose up in the church between two different cultures within the fellowship. And the apostles, the, the ones that were leading the early church, look what they said in Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. They said, we will devote ourselves to what? Prayer and to the ministry of the word. Why? Because they knew they needed God. They placed a high view of scripture. What did God's word say? And a high view on prayer. We need God to move. As a matter of fact, as you read throughout the book of Acts in the early church, There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. In 26 of those chapters, the Bible describes the early church seeking God in prayer. And often, it's the leadership bringing the people to pray corporately together in desperation for God. They they lived in submission to God, but also in submission to each other. As you read the qualifications for spiritual leadership in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1, we understand that those who would be involved in spiritual leadership in the church had to open their lives up and walk in submission to others, inviting others to look into their lives and to hold them accountable. So there was a a leadership principle of humility, meaning this, that as pastors and leaders in a church, you don't lead like we know it all, we got it all figured out. No, we have to live in submission to God. God, dependence on him in prayer and submission to his word and in submission to one another. Humility. Number three, transparency. Transparency. The early church led in an open and honest manner. Let me give you an example of this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul was taking up an offering. It was an offering that was going to be used to support the ministry of the church in Jerusalem that was struggling and suffering under the hand of persecution. And Paul went to multiple churches and he shared with them the vision for this offering and they all began to give their offering. And and when Paul wrote back to those churches that had given, listen to what he said to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He said, we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. You hear that principle of transparency? Paul said, man, we want to lead this in such a way that not only is it pleasing and honorable to the Lord, not only as he looks at this are we blameless, but we want to lead it in such a way that as others look at this, it seemed to be blameless. It's why at Hope Church we've always practiced this principle that I call one conversation. What does that mean? It means you don't have to have insider information at Hope. If you don't know what's going on at Hope, it's because you didn't ask me. Because if you ask me, I'll tell you. Like, I don't have any secrets. I don't have anything that you got to get to certain levels to know. We've practiced a principle of transparency at Hope Church. We do it through our budgeting process. One of the things that you may or may not be aware of is we're a member of what's called the ECFA. What is the ECFA? It's the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. And annually, they review our church, and we're a part of what they've recognized as nonprofits or churches that faithfully demonstrate exceptional financial integrity and standards. Why do we do that? Because we want to lead from a principle of transparency. Where does that come from? Right from the New Testament. It's how the early church led. Number four, accountability. The early church led responsibly. Let me show it to you in the text. 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter writes and he says, so I exhort the elders, don't miss this, among you. Not the elders over you, not the elders who are up here, but I I exhort the elders, those pastors among you. As a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is, here it is again, among you. Among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. 
as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This is a principle that the leadership in the early church were not dictators or distant CEOs. They were first and foremost members of the family they'd been called to lead. And because they were members of the family, they were accountable to the Lord and to the fellowship with their lives and their ministry. At Hope Church, we've tried to live out this principle of accountability and and leading and shepherding from among you. And we do that, first of all, by asking pastors hard questions. We ask each other very difficult, challenging, hard questions about our walk with God and our families and the way that we live our lives. But also, we at Hope have what's called a stewardship team. It's seven people that serve a three-year rotation where they represent our fellowship. They meet with our lead pastors or our, our, our executive team once a month, and they review all the financials. They review all the decisions. They look at every check that's been written. Why do we do that? Because we want to follow the New Testament principle and pattern of accountability. Number five, unity. The early church led by hearing from God together. Not one guy going off on a mountain and hearing God by himself, but they, they heard God together. Let me show it to you in Romans chapter 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You hear those phrases over and over again? Live in harmony with one another. It literally means to be of the same mind, to have the same heart, to to have your passion and heart wrapped around the same thing. That phrase together means without dissent. It means unanimous, meaning this. As leaders, you don't get in a room in the church and vote. Majority vote wins. No, we got to hear what God is saying together until we can all say, man, we've heard from God together. We have to wait on the Lord to speak clearly. It's this principle of unity. Then that phrase, one voice, it, it describes the way we speak. As leaders, we have to speak together, unified. Why? Because we've heard God together. The sixth principle This is the one that really speaks to where we're living right now is the principle that they led temporarily. What do you mean by that? God's mission is eternal. God's leaders are temporary. They lead for a season. As you study the New Testament, leaders were entrusted leadership for a season, and then they had to be ready to pass the baton of leadership on to others. That's why Paul, when he passed the baton to leadership, of leadership to young Timothy in the early church, listen to what he wrote to him in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's the last letter Paul wrote. Listen to what he said. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. One of the responsibilities that unfortunately is overlooked in a lot of the leadership in the American church today is understanding that one of the principles in the early church is they knew they were leading temporarily. And too often in the American church, leaders lead like they're always going to be there. They're always going to be the one. They're always going to be the voice. And at Hope Church, we've tried to lead for years, understanding that one day God would have a different plan for what leadership was going to look like moving forward. And so we've tried to live out this principle of entrusting to, to faithful men who will be able to teach others and entrust to them also. And that's exactly what we shared with you the first weekend of December about this transition that's taking place in the life of our fellowship and a new model for ministry that that we're going to have as far as the form of what our leadership is going to look like moving forward. And that leads me to another question that I want to ask. But before I do that, what we introduced to you in December was that how we've been leading at Hope Church with a plurality of pastors, of which I've been a leader on that team, we're going to begin to transition And the new senior leader that we introduced to you in December is going to be Pastor Travis Ogle. Travis is not going to be the primary communicator. He's not going to be the primary preacher at Hope week in and week out. He'll continue to be a part of the teaching team as he always has. But God's raised up other men on our team that will be the primary preachers and communicators here week in and week out. But I'm going to ask Travis to come and join me here. And in just a moment, I'm going to hand the baton to him and let him share some things that God's put on his heart. But before he does, let me ask the second question. And here's the second one. Those six components that we see in the early church, how do we apply these components at Hope Church? How do we live these out? 
Well, we gave you a statement in December I want to put back up here. It says, Hope Church is led by a plurality of pastors who walk together in Christ-like submission with a stewardship team for accountability, wisdom, and counsel. And I hope you hear in that statement a lot of those guardrails. Those guardrails that are rooted and grounded in Scripture have long since governed the way we've led as a fellowship. And this model has evolved through the years. For example, if you look back at the past, when we started Hope Church, we started with a plurality of pastors. I was the leader on that team, but there was a plurality. Somebody actually dug out of a file a picture that we're going to put up there. That picture is awful. I think I was also trying to become an FBI agent at the time. But that's what we looked like when we started. The four of us began together as a plurality. So uh, this thing of leading as a plurality of pastors in, in concert with the stewardship team is not new. That was happening all the way back at the beginning when Hope Church started. And we've continued to do that in the present day, today, the way we're leading. And we showed you this diagram uh, in December. But we currently lead with our lead pastors that now I think there's seven or eight of us on the lead team. But Travis Ogle and I have been an executive team that's led with our stewardship team. And this has been the way we've led at Hope Church with these six guiding principles all shaping this structure. And what we unpack for you that we're heading into in the future is just a slight modification of what we've been doing for 21 years. Our new structure will look like this, where there were two people in an executive team. We're now going to have a four-person directional team out of our lead pastors here at Hope Church, working in concert with our stewardship team. Travis is going to be the leader of that directional team, but not the primary communicator. And that's what Hope Church's leadership is going to look like moving forward. Now, what I wanted you to hear from me this weekend is that the way we're going to lead moving forward is rooted and grounded in the same six biblical principles that our leadership has been rooted and grounded in for the last 21 years. Those same guardrails are in place to keep us out of danger. Scripture has to be our guide as we move forward. So Travis, with that laid down, I want you to come now and share with our church some things that God's put on your heart in response to that question. You come, man. Well, I firmly believe that what God is doing in the life of our fellowship is powerful, it's precious, and it's an honor to be able to be a part of. Before we continue this conversation, there are a couple things that are just on my heart that I want to share with you as we continue with this time. And the first one is just to say thank you. Last month, we sat on this stage and we shared with you, our church family, some very significant information. And over the past month, myself, my wife, many of our other pastors have been overwhelmed by your encouragement, by your support, and by your affirmation. The cards, the text messages, the phone calls, and the conversations have literally overwhelmed me over the past month. And I just want to say to you, as my church family, thank you for your love, for your support, and for your affirmation. Amen. The second thing that's just on my heart is just to articulate to you how blessed I feel in this moment. To be in this service and to hear our pastor talk about a desire that he's had for many, many years to lead with the future in mind. I'm just realizing that for 17 of those years, I have been a recipient of that investment. I've been the one that he's been investing in along with some of our other pastors. And to be in this season of entrusting more leadership and more responsibility to us, I just believe it is incredibly special. I am reading a book right now called Lead Like Jesus. And in that book, a man by the name of Ken Blanchard poses this question. He says this to leaders, am I willing to share what I know and provide opportunities to learn and grow for those who will come after me? 
And there are many leaders across our country in a ministry context who would read that question and unfortunately have to answer it with no. But we have a pastor, and I've shared this with him privately, who can read that question and with confidence answer yes. Amen? And I'm thankful that over the years, Vance has allowed me to share in his journey, whether that was a time investment, a ministry trip around the world, or him just sharing his life with me. I've been a recipient of that investment. Vance has not only shared his life and his journey, he's also shared his leadership. And here's what I mean by that. As we've navigated as a church, there have been many, many decisions that he did not have to invite us into, but he chose to invite us into them. I am not joking when I say there may have been 10,000 times when Vance has called me and said, Here's the situation. What's your input? What do you think? What's your perspective? And he's allowed us to be a part of those decisions, but not just decisions, also big moments. I remember in 2011, we were walking through an initiative as a church that we called The Big Journey. And it was us raising resources to be able to purchase this land and build our first phase of this facility. And we're sitting in a meeting and we're talking about who is going to teach that year regarding the big journey. Because each year we would recast the vision and invite you, our church family, to live generously as we tried to take this major step of faith. And we're sitting in this room and we were talking about who was going to lead that year for two weeks to teach that content. And Vance looked over and said, Travis, I think you should do it this year. And I looked at Vance and said, just so we're all on the same page. You talk about money. We don't. And without even blinking, he said, I think you need to do it. I believe you can do it. And I think you need to do it without me. And what he said right after he said that has literally been a principle that has marked my leadership. Since that moment in the first part of 2011, here's what he said to me next. He said, as a leader, if others fail when you are absent, you have failed when you were present. And here's what I'm thankful for. That as we walk through this transition season, there has been great investment by our pastor as he has been present. And as we move into this next season, as he takes a step back, not a step out, but a step back, we are ready and we are excited to continue to lead this ministry into the future. And so as Vance just shared in the past, we have led as a team. Currently, we are leading as a team, and as we move into the future, we will continue to lead as a team. And although we are entering into a new season of pastoral leadership, the form of that leadership based on the New Testament church will remain the same. And as we've navigated over the past few months, the primary cry of my heart before the Lord is that he would lead us, that he would direct us into his bright future for Hope Church as we move forward. And what I want to do during our moments that remain, and then we're going to pray together, I want to share with you four ways that we are moving forward as a church. Because I believe it is critical how we move forward once this leadership baton has been passed. So four ways that I believe we must move forward as a church family. And here's the first one. We are moving forward dependent on God. We are moving forward into this next season dependent on the Lord. The first time that I ever came to Las Vegas was March of 2001. I was a senior in high school. And I was a part of a short-term mission team that was coming from my home church in southeast Tennessee. And we came for a week or so, and we prayer walked around the valley. 
We did acts of kindness. We passed out bottles of water. And we just served the city in any way that we could. And I remember that week when we were here, Vance was leading a devotional for our team early in the morning. And he made a statement. It's the first time he ever said it that I heard it. He said, I want you to know that if God is not God, we are sunk. And I remember sitting in that room thinking, that's right. We're in a city that is lost. You guys are unfamiliar with this context. If God does not show up, this is not going to work. And here's what I believe. I believe in 2001, everyone would have said amen to that statement. What I want us to recognize in this moment is that is still true. If we really believe that the greatest days for our ministry are in the future, and I believe that to be the case, then we must move forward desperate to see God work in us and through us for the expansion of his kingdom all over the world. So that's the first way that we're going to move forward as a church. The second way that we are moving forward is we are moving forward together. We shared this with you last month, but we believe before Hope Church is anything else, we are a family. We are brothers and we are sisters in Christ. And I was thinking this week about all the milestones on our journey over the last 20 years. And how God has been so faithful at every one of those milestones to further unite us as a church family. I'm thinking about 2001 when we had our very first public worship service. I'm thinking about 2004 when we moved into our very first permanent facility. I'm thinking about 2008 when we left that facility because we outgrew it and moved to a high school only to see the economic collapse that happened beginning around 2009. I'm thinking about the milestone of moving to this building, to this campus in 2012, only to see six months later our entire campus flooded. Thinking about 2017 when the October 1 tragedy took place here in our city. Over and over and over in each of these milestones, it was a moment for God to further unite this fellowship and refocus us on what matters. And my prayer and my belief, as we navigate into this next season of leadership for us as a church, is God is going to do the very same May God continue to unite his church and focus us on what matters. Amen? The third way that I believe we need to move forward is we are moving forward on mission. We are moving forward on mission. Every once in a while, I have the opportunity to coach and consult different pastors and church planters around the country. And as I do that, when I want to learn about them in a very short period of time, when I want to learn about their vision, their intention, uh, their passion, I show them a statement, and I want to show it to you. I ask them to think about their church, and I ask them to finish this sentence. You will not find a church more devoted to blank. And you would be very surprised to hear some of their answers. For some people, immediately, they say, campus development. We want our church to be known by our facilities. We want to have the best facilities in the country, so we are devoted to campus development. For others, they may say, sermon views. We are devoted to making sure the messages that our pastor preaches get out there as soon as possible. For others, they may say, church growth. We want to be a church that is reaching people, and we want to be the biggest church around. As we move forward, here's what's in my heart and in the heart of our leadership team as we think about Hope Church. You will not find a church more devoted to the mission of God. 
And here's the basis for that. Here's the basis. Psalm 67, verse 7. God blesses us. God gives us everything that is in our hands that all the ends of the earth may fear him. As we move into this next season, we are going to do so believing that the Great Commission is still urgent. The gospel is still good news. And the church is still the light of the world. Amen? God has invited us to join in his activity all over the world. And as we do that, we know who we are as a church. There is no identity crisis here. We have a mission to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. And we are shaped in our decision by four core values. God dependence, real relationships, generous living, and kingdom expansion. And we know how we're to go about making disciples all over the world. It's by reaching people with the gospel right here in our city, planting churches up and down the West Coast, and sending people and resources to the ends of the earth for the expansion of the kingdom of God. Now, before I share with you the fourth way that we're going to be moving forward, I want you to see what I'm communicating. When I share with you that we're moving forward in dependence on God, we must be a church that abides in Christ. When I invite you today to move forward together, I'm reminding you that we must find connection in community because it's all about relationships. And when I invite you to move forward on mission, I'm reminding you that we have been called to share in the mission of God locally and globally. But here is the fourth and the final way that we are moving forward as a fellowship. We are moving forward with the next generation of pastoral leadership already in place. God's, the word says pastors are a gift to the church. And God has gifted us with an incredible pastoral team. Amen. And as Vance shared, we have established from within our lead pastoral team a directional team. And I want to ask them to come and join me on stage right now. So Pastor Edward, Pastor Scott, I want to ask you guys to come and join me. You guys come on over. Now, if you're doing your math, you may say, I thought you all said this is a four-member team. Well, it just so happens that last week, Pastor Chip tested positive for COVID. And so he is on the back end of that. He's doing really well. I spoke with him twice today. But just out of an abundance of precaution, um, we ask him not to be here. But I do want to share a couple of things about Pastor Chip in just a moment. You all, you all know Pastor Scott Worthington. What you may not know is that in 2007, Pastor Scott and I actually went to lunch at Outback Steakhouse. And Scott said to me, what does it mean to be called to ministry? And from that point in time to right now as this brother stands on stage, it is incredible to see the way God has anointed him, the way God has grown him, and the shepherd and leader and friend that he is now in my life. And I am so thankful that God has raised him up to be a part of this directional team that is going to shape this ministry moving forward. You guys also know Pastor Edward. What you may not know is that in November of 2020, we, in 2019, was it 20? We invited Pastor Edward to come and be a guest speaker for us here at Hope Church. 
And I remember sitting under his teaching in all the services that we did at that point. And there was a moment at the end of of one of the services when he was leading a corporate prayer time, what he does so incredibly well. And sitting on the front row and watching him lead that time, I thought to myself, there are very few people on the planet who fit so hand in glove with the ministry here at Hope Church in Las Vegas. We began to... We began to have some conversations, and at that point, he was thinking he was ride or die Oakland. And God worked in his heart. And God called he and his wife here, and they became a part of our team in May of 2001. And I believe even then, God was preparing us for this moment. Because God has brought this brother as a gifted teacher and shepherd of the church for such a time as this. And I am thrilled about him shaping this ministry along with our team moving forward. And then finally, Pastor Chip. And just in case you don't know Pastor Chip, I want to put a picture of him uh, on the screen. Because Chip is like Barnabas. He's not the most popular. He's not the most well-known. But here's what you need to know. Every pastor on our staff has been shaped by this man. And as I was thinking about what you may not know about Chip, um, I actually thought about a letter. This is a letter from April of 1999. And it was given to Pastor Johnny Hunt by the North American Mission Board. And this letter says... The North American Mission Board is looking at some different cities across the nation where we want to plant flagship churches. And this was sent to Pastor Johnny, and it says on the front, Hey, Chip, let's meet about this and talk about the possibilities. And one of the cities that is mentioned in this letter is the city of Las Vegas. And here's what I want you to know. Las Vegas was on Chip Riggs' heart before it was even on Vance's heart. And he joined the team and was a part of this team from 2004 to 2008. And then in 2008, God led him away. But in 2009, God led him back. And I believe even then, God was laying the groundwork for this moment. And it is such an honor for me to think that we're going to have a leader like Chip Riggs that is going to be shaping the ministry of Hope Church. So what we want to do now is we want to take a few moments, and Pastor Vance is going to lead this time of praying specifically over this new directional team. So I want to invite our pastors, if you want to go ahead and come, and any stewardship team members that are in this service, if you guys want to come on up. Just a moment, we're going to pray over the directional team. But as they come, I do want to remind you of two more dates that are a part of this transition process. The first one is March the first. March the first, Pastor Vance officially switches from being full time at Hope Church to being full time with the Send Network. He's going to continue to follow his normal rhythm of preaching through the end of April, but that is a significant date in our timeline. And then the second date I want to give you is the weekend of April the 28th and May the 1st. That will be Pastor Vance's final message as senior pastor of Hope Church. So you want to mark that date down. That is going to be a very special weekend, April the 28th and May the 1st. And from there, Vance will transition into a role that we're calling founding pastor, which means he will be preaching here six to eight times a year. He will be a counselor to our directional team. And the Pittman family is going to remain a part of this fellowship right here in Las Vegas. We also want to remind you that we've prepared an FAQ that is online. You can go to our website and see that. But we've built out a thorough response to 10 or 11 key questions that we want to give you information about and give you an opportunity to ask further questions about this transition. So I wanted to share that with you as Vance, you come and you lead us in a time to pray.
I want to put the verse back up here uh, from Acts 14 that we looked at earlier. It says, when they had appointed elders, plural, plurality, for them in every church, singular, then Paul and the team, they did something. It says, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. That word committed there is a word that means to entrust. And what I want us to do this weekend is take a moment with this directional team. Obviously, Pastor Chip's not able to be here with us at this service. Hopefully, in other services, he'll be able to make it. But we're going to do what they did. We're going to take these three men and Pastor Chip, and we're going to entrust them to the Lord. We are going to set them apart in our fellowship through prayer and seeking God over their lives, asking God to guard them, protect them, watch over them as they continue to lead us as a fellowship to engage in the mission of God. And I got to tell you, as I sat and just listened to Pastor Travis and get to work with these men, I, as, a, as a person who's invested 21 years of his life here, and now somebody that gets to be a, a member here and a part of this church, I am ecstatic about the leadership that God has raised up for the future of Hope Church. So let's do that now. I'm going to ask you three men to just come and kneel here uh, in front of us. I'll do it on this side over here. And I'm going to ask our pastors and the stewardship team members that are in this service uh, to come. And we're just going to lay hands on them. And Teddy, I'm going to ask you to pray first. And then I'll pray over them. And then I'll turn it back over to Pastor Travis. So let's, let's pray together. God, your word in Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I thank you, Lord, for these men. I thank you, Lord, for the work that you've begun in them for your faithfulness to them and God that you will complete it you will do what you said I thank you God for how you've used every season of their lives to shape them and to mold them and to prepare them for such a time as this God I thank you Lord for what you have in store for Hope Church as you use these men for your glory I thank you, Lord, that you are good, that you are faithful, that you have provided, that you've done exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. And so we celebrate you today. God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, that God, these are men that love you, that men that are humble before you, men that have served you faithfully and served this church. And so I just thank you, God, Lord, that, that your word says wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And I thank you that you've given us men who are showered in wisdom. And so, God, we are just expecting great things from you. God, we just trust, God, that you are leading this church, that you, God, are holding us in the palm of your hand. God, Lord, that no weapon formed against Hope Church will prevail. And we just trust you and claim, God, that, God, all that you have, God, every door that you'll open, no man can shut. And, God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that our best days are ahead. God, we lift up their families, their wives, their children. God, we just pray that you will surround them with your presence and your glory. God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Father, as we are in this moment of entrusting these men to you, I have on my heart the verse out of the Old Testament that says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But God, we will trust in the name of the Lord. God, as we stand in this moment, we don't trust in buildings, we don't trust in budgets, and God, we don't trust in these men. Lord, we put our confidence in you. Our hope is in you, that you are a big God. And what you're doing in Las Vegas and through Hope Church began before any of us got involved in it, and it's going to continue long after all of us are off the scene. So God, we put our hope and our trust in you this weekend. But God, I thank you for these men that you have raised up here. 
Lord, over these last 20 years. A couple of them been on this team for more than 15 years themselves. And God, I thank you for the way that you have raised them up. I thank you for the way you've gifted them, the way that you have uh, just grown them. And Lord, it's been a joy. And for me to stand here today, what an incredible privilege and joy to get to see what I believe to be are some of my sons in the faith take the baton of leadership and begin to move forward in seeking the heart of God and accomplishing the mission of God. Lord, this is, John said, there's no greater joy than this. So God, we celebrate this moment. We entrust these men to you. We know that the enemy would love to destroy them. We ask you to put a hedge of protection around them and guard them and their marriages and their families and their finances and their integrity. And God, we ask you to bless this church. Lord, would you bless this church so that the ends of the earth may fear you. Lord, I praise you and thank you for the thousands that have come to Christ already. But I praise you and thank you for the thousands that are going to come to Christ. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're going to do. We entrust these men to you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And all of us say together, amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord praise. So here is, here's how we're going to conclude our service. We're going to conclude by worshiping together. We're going to transition to a time of response. So our Hope Creative team is going to get ready. I want to ask our pastors if you go ahead and get in place here at the altar. But we're going to conclude with a time of worship, a time of responding to the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know what you've witnessed tonight is a beautiful picture of the unity and the love that exists in the family of God. All of us as followers of Jesus have been born into God's family. We are his sons and his daughters. And maybe for you today, as you sit in this service, you would like to know more about that. I want you to know that God loves you and God desperately desires a relationship During this time of response, if you do not have a relationship with God, you feel free to come down, talk to one of our pastors. We would love to connect you with someone who can share the gospel with you. For others of us, maybe there are some needs in your life and you would like to come and pray with the pastor. Maybe you would just like to come on this special weekend talking about the future of our church and just get on your knees and pray on behalf of Hope Church. However the Lord may be leading you, Our team's going to lead us in song. Let me pray for us, and um, I'll invite you to stand. Lord, would you move in these moments as we respond to you, as we worship you, we declare there is no one higher than our God. You are to be worshiped, and you are to be praised. We bless you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and respond.